Welcome to the Panza Panza Forum. In the Yoruba language, the word panza is usually injected into poetry to express an uncomfortable, uncensored and inconvenient truth. The Panza Panza Forum is candid conversations about the life of African immigrants in America as it relates to their adaptation to their new home. While some may find it easy to integrate and can balance between retaining the original African culture while accepting the culture of their new home, many continue to struggle to find a balance between both worlds. Hello and welcome to Panza Panza Live. This is a podcast where we discuss the lives of African immigrants and their assimilation into Western society as they raise younger generations in a country that is quite different from their own. We also explore the experiences of children of immigrants as they balance the African and Western cultures. We present to you this informative, interesting, and expansive dialogue about the intricate experiences of African immigrants in America. Welcome to Pansa Pansa Live Podcast. I'm your host, Kemi Seriki, and my guest today is Ms. Kwavi Agbeyegbe. I yeah. think I called him name right. Yeah, Kwavi Agbeyegbe. Yes. Agbeyegbe. <laughs> She is a certified life coach for women in their 50s and above. She's an author, an international and motivational speaker. She just published a book titled 50 Questions to Answer When You Reach 50, a guide to help women thrive and shine in their 50s and beyond. Thank you so much for coming. Like I said before, this uh, platform is a place where we talk about uncomfortable conversation. And part of being uncomfortable is actually pinpoint on some of the issues that we women actually going through. So thank you for coming. So can you fully introduce yourself? Talk yeah. a bit about your background to our audience yeah. as to where you were born where you spend most part of your childhood and adult yeah. life. My name is Kwavi. As Kemi said, I'm a life coach for women 50 and over, and I'm also the creator of an online community for women called Flourish. I was born in England. I spent up to like middle school there, then moved to Nigeria, did rest of my middle school and high school in Nigeria, moved back to England for university. And after university, I moved to the States and now I live in Atlanta. Wow. <laughs> Living in the States. How do you find it? I like it. I personally like it. I personally, and I love Atlanta. I live in Atlanta. I, I just love Atlanta. I love the city. I love the weather. I love the people. So how would you compare the life as a, somebody from England with that background and coming from Nigeria and being able to fit into that society of identity as a woman of color? In Atlanta. Yes. So I guess Atlanta for me, amongst all the places I've lived in outside of Nigeria, I feel most comfortable in. And it might be because there are lots of people who look like me in Atlanta. So that makes a difference. I used to live in Boston and it was the complete opposite. Yes, I lived in Boston for about 18 months. When I moved from the UK, I moved straight to Boston. So that's where I was working. I was in computer science. That was my field. So I worked in IT. I worked there. I'm telling you, it's like night and day from Boston to Atlanta. <laughs> and Atlanta, I believe there's so many entrepreneurs who are yes. so many people with businesses. and uh, Right. It uh, makes a difference. It makes yeah. a big difference. So I would say Atlanta, it just feels like home for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So because you also intermingle with many progressive people of color. 
Right. And I think that's important. You have other people who are Mm like-minded and you're able to interact, have conversations, maybe not always agree, but you're able to have conversations, meaningful conversations. And, you know, people are willing to help. You can learn from them. This place has really been a great place for growth for me. Yes. I'm glad you are really enjoying Atlanta. So for many of our audience who may not know what a life coach does, can you Mm -hmm. fully explain what yeah. You as a life coach. Yeah. So what I do is clients come to me with different issues. A lot of my clients right now that I work with are in their fifties and over. And typically in a nutshell, most of them come to me because they've gotten to 50 and they're like, okay, what's next? Like they've given so much of that. Cause I work mostly with women. I don't work with men. And for a lot of them, they have given to their kids, given to their spouses, given to their parents. And all of a sudden they're getting to that point where they're like, okay, what about me? What do I do next? Is this it? It's like, really? And for some of them, there's a bit of resentment kicking in. Like I've done so much for everyone else. No one is even talking about what I'm going to do. And so I help them create this next chapter of their life and what they want it to look like. And I help guide them and I help them in a way where they feel empowered to start this next chapter because it can be kind of scary. A lot of them, their kids have left home. For some, unfortunately, they now now find themselves divorced because there's a high rate of divorce at this age and they're not quite sure what to do next. And so I'm helping them put these pieces together and just giving them that power that probably they've given away to so many others and making them realize you do have that power. You can take it back. Let's create this next chapter. What do you want it to look like? And I let them go wild. I'm like, what is it that you really want for your next chapter? We can make that happen. Like what do you, and I kind of guide them. I work with them one-on-one in some cases, and some of them I work in a group setting. Oh, yeah. Okay. Supposing they don't even know what to do, how to and go that's, about And I help them too. Uh And see, that's the thing. And I help them with that. And the way I work is I ask them a series of questions and through the questions they begin, because for a lot of them, they've really been living life like in the flow. They just kind of go with the flow. They're not really thinking about themselves. And so when they get to this stage and they come to me, I ask them a series of questions and then they're they're like, wow, I never really thought about that. I never even thought to even ask myself that question. Like you said, when I ask most of them, what do you want? A lot of them like, I don't know. And it's interesting. And they say that because they've never even asked themselves that question. They've never even stopped. They've been given to others and making sure everyone is taken care of, but themselves, they don't know. And so through a series of questions that I have, specific questions, it helps to guide them through the different steps and uncover what it is that they want for this next chapter of their life. You are so right about that. Women give so much to the children, to the society, and we never get any yes. Any None. And, and okay. And this is a sad part. When you hit 50, society is like, for lack of a better word, they just put an expired sticker on your head. Like you no longer exist. You don't matter. It's almost like they give you a death sentence. So it's like, you've done all this stuff for everyone else. And you hit 50 and like, you no longer matter. Yeah, that's true. You publish a book titled 50 questions to answer when you reach 50, a guide to Uh, help women thrive and shine in their 50 and beyond. Can you talk a little bit about the book to our audience? Yeah. And the reason why I created that book, so I'm a reader. I love to read books. But what I noticed was it got to a point where I was reading a lot of books, but I wasn't taking action. And, you know, when I'm reading the book, I'm excited because I read a lot of self-help books. I read a lot of them and I really be excited when I'm reading them or maybe I attend the course. I'm really excited. But then what happens next? And I told myself, okay, you know what? I'm going to write a book that takes people on a journey, their own journey, but it's 
written in such a way where they actually have to take action for themselves. And that's the way I created the book. So as you're reading the book, you have to answer these questions and the space for you to write. And so you can't just say, oh, I don't know. No, really ask yourself, what is the answer to this question like for me? And this book is not about your children, not about your spouse, not about your parents, not about your siblings. You know, it's just about you. And I think for most women, they've never had that time. They've never had the chance to really say, okay, let me focus on myself for now. And so this is almost like a gift to themselves where they can actually like, what do I really want? Like, what are some of the things I've done in the past? And sometimes they've forgotten about all their accomplishments because they've given so much to others. They're like, oh, you know, I'm not worthy. I don't do anything. I, I don't have any, you know, there's no benefit to me. And there is so much that they have. And I want them to remember that. And that you brings know? me to the question of self-compassion. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes. How can we implement it in our daily lives as women, especially women that oh. put themselves last we are seen at the bedrock of the family and the society yes. life. Yes. and we do not get the due respect that we needed no. so how do we implement self-compassion in our daily life i think one of the first steps even before the self-compassion phase we need to practice self-love we need to love ourselves we don't do that enough i mean think about it when you have kids when you have pets when you have parents what do you do for people that you love? You take care of them. You protect them. You want to do things for them, even when you don't want to. <laughs> yeah. And so we need to start practicing that for ourselves because it's so easy for women to say, well, I didn't feel like doing that. So I didn't do it. I'm like, but wait, if that was your son that told you, take me to soccer practice, even if you're tired, <laughs> you take them. Even if, if they say, mom, it's time for violin. You're like, okay, let's go. You do it. And so I want women to start to give love to themselves. And once they start to feel that love for themselves, they start to do more for themselves. Self-compassion is a big piece of that because we are so self-judgmental. We judge ourselves all. It's like society is already judging us. And now we judge ourselves on top of that. Like, seriously, mm -hmm. we're going to have to stop doing that. Let us practice self-compassion. Let's just open our minds to the possibility that, yeah, okay, I did that. Instead of questioning or criticizing, you know, and blaming Look at it from the perspective of why did that happen? How can I learn from this? Like, what is this teaching me about myself? And when we start to get into that phase, we become more compassionate about actions that we take. And guess what? We're even more prone to doing more because we're not as critical. And so we're able to take more risks. Yeah. Because we're no longer like, okay, it's not going to. Sometimes we criticize ourselves before it even happens. Why? <laughs> because, you know, the societies like have another voice in our head. Yes. Especially mm -hmm. within African people. I'm not going to even say only immigrants, you know, even back yes. home, We have the culture, the religion, every aspect of everything. So that's playing in your mind. Yeah, playing in your mind. Even before they say anything, you're already predicting what are they going to say? If I take this action, yes. what is going to happen? If I make a different way of thinking, if I'm not going with the flow of the crowd thinking, what is going to happen to me? I'm going to be rejected. And see, and this is the question I want to ask women. So what if they reject you? Like, what is the worst that will happen? No, seriously, what is the worst that will happen? I mean, because let's really lay it out. They're not paying your bills. They're not coming to take your house from you. You know what I mean? It's like, we have to be able to take those risks for our own mental well-being, really. Because some of those actions that we take free us from so many things. But we're like, they'll say this. And guess what? Sometimes 
those thoughts that we have are not, they're baseless. They're not, it's like, they might not even happen. And so what I want us to start to do now is when those thoughts come up, I want us to challenge those thoughts. Like, seriously, are they really going to say that? Did someone actually come to you and tell you, if you do this, this will happen? Like, Mm -hmm. are they facts? Yeah question them like are they facts is that really going to happen and most times it's not it's our perception sometimes but then sometimes we're doing things that we know are for the good of others Mm -hmm. let's go ahead and do it we can be the pioneers of changing things Mm -hmm. but sometimes we're so worried about what society is going to say so we step back Mm -hmm. this is the time to step forward especially if you're 50 and over this is the time Especially what the community is going to say when we have to bring it to yeah. home to our African immigrant community. What are they going to say? Yeah. Everybody go with the flows, you know. So it's how we function, you know, to be accepted. And that's why some of us. And, but that's, we have to be careful with that. Yes. Yeah. That's how some of us get ourselves into so much trouble. Yes. Uh-huh, working over time. Getting involved in things that you know is beyond your power. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because I've seen many of the people in our community, they buy a home that they cannot afford. Because Why? that person just bought a house, half a million. Why can't I do the same? Because I'm going to measure my success according to the material wealth oh, that I acquire or according to what the achievement my children did come into life with. In terms of, you know, this person's child just graduated from the Ivy League. What is going on with mine? I'm going to put so much pressure on myself. Or the material things that we tend to focus yeah. on. And we have to really be careful with that, though, because you don't know what's going on in that person's life. You have no idea. You know, the only thing you can control is yourself. Even our kids, to some extent, we can't even control them because they have a mind of their own, too. We can control ourselves. And so what do you want to do? It's like, what do you want your legacy to be? I look at that, especially now that I'm 50 and over, it's like, I'm making decisions that I know I want to live long after I've left this earth, yeah. you know? And so what are those kind of decisions? And sometimes those decisions might not be go with the flow with everyone else. It might not be what my African community might want, but guess what? In the long run, it's going to benefit so many others. Yes. And somebody has to be the one to make the first initiation yes. to focus and especially focusing on African women over 50. How can these 50 guides be of benefit for African women in such a category, especially like we talked before within our religious and our cultural background that dictates how women should live their lives? And I think really is answering the questions because I think most of us have these yearnings inside of us of things that we want to do. And sometimes we're like, oh no, I can't do that. I'm too old or I can't do this. It's like, who said you can't do that because you're too old? It's like real, I mean, let's really break it down. You know, I look at like women now, like the things that we're achieving. I had a woman, she emailed me the other day. She's 51 years old. She's in her first year of medical school, 51. I'm like, we have first, yeah, exactly. But that was because that was something that she wanted to do for so long. And it kept coming up and kept coming. And she's like, I'm going to do it. Now she's in her first year of medical school. She's so excited. Another lady reached out to me. She's in her 70s. She's doing her PhD. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are the barriers that we're placing on ourselves? Yes. And if it's a man doing PhD at that age, nobody Thank will question. You. No one will say anything. Uh-huh. So it's like, really? Like, what are the limitations? Sometimes society might have those limitations, but you don't have to take that as your own story. You can decide to create your own story where you are the star of your own story. Mm-hmm. You get to decide that. Yeah. So what do you do because you look so fit 
and uh, <laughs> if for, for your age, you know, what do you do on a daily basis regarding your physical health and All your right. emotional health as well? I'm a big advocate for eating well and sleep. Sleep is huge. Like some days I even take naps in the day because I really believe that sleep is a big driver for how you show up in the world. It's like you're tired. Listen, it affects everything that you do. For me, I'm also very conscious of what I eat because I think that at this age, especially, I want to keep on living for as long as I can. But not only that, I also want to have the quality because I don't want to live long and just like, okay, I want the quality of life also. And so I am paying attention to what I put into my mouth. I exercise. I used to run, but I don't run anymore. So I walk a lot. I also lift weights. And for me, this is part of who I am. And I, I tell women a lot that I love myself enough to know that, okay, I need to go exercise. I love myself enough to say, you know, it's time to go to bed. Even if I want to watch something else on TV, I'm like, eh, no, I'm going to go sleep because my body needs rest. And so that's how I operate in terms of like things for my mental well-being or for my physical well-being or for my spiritual well-being. Like I like to wake up, I say my prayers, I do my meditation. Those are parts of just my daily routine. Many of us, when we look within our communities, it's something very difficult for people to even make initiatives and say, you know what, let me join the gym. Let me find a way to work out. Let me find a way to exercise my body, rest my mind. Okay, let me try to cut off the phone call within certain hour of the day. And say, you know, I cannot be on the phone late or I'm not even going to watch any TV within certain time of the day or even during the week because why I need to rest my mind because all these things have an impact into how you sleep as well. Yeah. Sleep is the way you actually kind of rest your mind. It's like cleaning the house, taking all the garbage. You understand me? I'm putting it away so that you could stay refreshed the following day. But when you are so busy with maybe phone calls, talking late at night, And not working out, like you said, not actually eating healthy. Most of our food is, African food is very rich. Yes, but it's actually (laughs) healthy though. But that's the thing, because we don't eat a lot of processed food. That's the other thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Our food is actually fresh. Our food is not frozen. Yes. You know, so we have an opportunity to actually eat well Mm -hmm. by changing a few things here and there. That's so true, because when you look in the olden days, I think about the village. Mm-hmm. They, eat yam. they eat very uh, high, you know, I would say, you know, palm oil, they could call, call yeah. it cholesterol. They eat a lot of uh, starch, but yeah. they are very active. They're you active. See the women, they walk miles and yeah. they go to the farm. <clears throat> Farming is part of the energy that they use. Yeah, also. exactly. The men, they walk, walk very hard. Even the meats, I remember growing up in Nigeria, they would say, oh, yeah. you don't need too much meat in your food. You just need a lot of vegetables. Yes. And we add a lot of vegetables into your meal yes. rather than eating meat. And yeah. you wonder why those people at that time, they live so long. And they live so long, but yes. What is going on with the younger generation? Because if you look at the lifespan in Nigeria, it's between 45 and 50, 55. Yeah, and so people sad. just, you know, it, it's so yeah. sad that people are dying at a very young age. Young age, that's young. Uh-huh. You're right. Uh-huh. That's uh-huh. too young. So how can we motivate our community to actually take initiative and say, you know what, let me get up, let me walk out. Because when my children were younger, I started going to the gym when they were like 12. My son was 12 years old. Okay. Now he's 26. Okay. 
And uh, before then, I couldn't leave them by home by themselves because I've been a single mom for over 20 years. So yeah. I, I bought a little bit of machine here and there. And yeah. And I sometimes I put on the music and I dance until I sweat. <laughs> Thank you. That's a good one. Seriously, that's, that's a, a good you know, one. Those are grandparents, great-grandparents, very energetic. Yes. And it was part of the exercise. It was part. Yeah, that was part of their routine. They did that their normally. Routine. That was, yeah. And that's how they're able to live long. Our, I our know. parents, our ancestors, they sit down straight, just like you sit in straight. I know, exactly. Of their Good age. posture, yes. Good posture. They move, they carry basket on their head. They do so much. As True. our mother's generation years ago, I'm very happy about what you're doing. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. You know, yeah. So that, <laughs> like I said before, this platform is where we talk not only about the focus of the conversation. We also yes. talk about immigrant experience in that. Yeah. What would you say are some of the challenges or struggle of being African immigrant over 50 years older or a mm. black woman in America maybe going through or even in England, especially in yeah. England? Well, I think just in general, just being black is just that puts you in a different category. And I think being African is also different. Like your name stands out. You know, you get questions like, what kind of name is that? And and some people sometimes don't even want to get to know who you truly are. They already dismiss you just based on your name. But I think it's an opportunity to educate them. That's how I look at it, because you just don't know. You know, you just think, oh, because my name is this, that I'm this way. But that also add a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. on your daily life because as an immigrant you only have immigrant experience you don't understand what it is to be black in america exactly no that's it so that's different that's a whole different experience it's something that you have to actually say how can i focus on this and i see that you go through different environment through different diversity of people how do you able to you know your comfortability in yeah atmosphere well, I say one thing, though. One thing, though, when I first moved to the States, I did not know anything about the Black experience. I had no idea. I didn't know that. But while I was in Boston, I stumbled upon a bookstore. And I can't remember how it came about. And it was a Black bookstore. And that opened my eyes. I was like, oh, my goodness. I didn't know about any of this. I was reading all these books. I was like, this happened here? Because growing up in England and in Nigeria, none of that never exposed to that. And so when I came here, I was like, oh my God. And so I understand what I didn't go through it, but now I understand. I'm like, oh my goodness, they went through that. And so for me, I'm very open. I want to learn about other people. I have friends from all over the world because I want to learn. I'm inquisitive. And I think that's just part of who I am. I really want to know because if I don't know, I'm not going to know. It's like, I have to learn from you. And just seeing you is not enough. It's like, I want to have conversations, like real conversations. And I'm open to you asking me because Mm -hmm. you might not know about me. You might say, okay, Kwavi, where's that name from? Where are you from? And, and you know, I'll say, oh, I could, and because like my name Kwavi is a Togolese name. My mother's from Togo. So I explain that. I'm like, who is a country in West Africa? And I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. And and I tell them, okay, Nigeria is a different country. That's my last name. And, you know, and I explain that to them. But the thing is, a lot of people don't know. And I want people to ask questions because I yeah. think sometimes they get shut down when they ask questions. Like, why are you asking that? But I think that's important because how will people know if they don't ask? And I know sometimes it can be tiring for us to answer, <laughs> but I think it's a good thing to answer those questions because that's how people can learn about who we are. 
I know you've yes. also hosted <laughs> women retreat around the yes. world. Yeah. <laughs> Our audience who may never heard of retreat or never heard of anything regarding retreat before or never been to one. What do you do at a retreat? What is a retreat? Okay. So the reason why I came up with this was I realized that a lot of women, even when they go on vacation with their families, they're the ones that are planning it. They're doing everything. When they come back from the vacation, they almost feel that they need a vacation from the vacation. And so I said, you know what? I am going to come up with a way where women can go away and all they have to worry about is they just pay for it. They get themselves to the airport and I take care of everything else. So even the packing list of what to bring, I give them a list. They get to the airport. I transport them from the airport. We stay in a private villa. We have a private chef. They give me their dietary requirements. We do a lot of coaching. So we ask a lot of questions. We do a lot of self-discovery. We also have fun. Like we do activities, like we do like cooking classes. We go on a yacht. We do all these different things. And then during the daytime, we have like free time where you can just chill by the pool or if you want to call your family, that's fine. But it's just a time for you. And it's like seven days, six nights. Mm. And these women love it. It's like they walk in kind of a bit kind of skeptical because most of them have never been away from their family for that long. Mm -hmm. And then by day two, oh my goodness, they are into it. It's like they're almost like teenagers. They're like having so much fun. And then by the end of the last day, they're like, so I have to go back to my life. I'm like, yes. <laughs> so which country have you have the opportunity to Okay, experience? So I've done two in Thailand. I did one in Bali. I did one in Morocco. And I'm doing my next one next year in Greece. Wow. Yeah. Have you thought about taking anybody to any part of Africa? Yeah, well, I did Morocco, but yeah, you're talking to the other side. And the yeah. other, and you know, when I'm talking about, you know, I'm talking about, of course, they call us sub Sahara. We are not subs to nobody uh -huh. anyway. Yeah. But <laughs> Africa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. So when do you plan on maybe going to West Africa? Because Togo is a yeah. very yeah. great country. Yeah. Actually, my son's mentor is actually from Togo. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. really? Uh-huh. Yeah. And he has a gallery right here in New York. Oh, anyway. nice. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so Africa is definitely some other countries like West Africa. I'm looking at South Africa too. So yeah, there are some other. I want to go to places that where people can explore. And that's why I've chosen those places specifically. I've chosen so that we can kind of explore. So yeah, those countries are definitely on the list. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> Maybe I might join one of these days anyway. Yes. <laughs> Maybe yes. yes. So you're a yes. mother of two teenagers, right? Yes. Aha. Uh -huh. yes. So you're also a wife, right? Yes. Yes. So how do you balance everything that you're so involved in with your energy, with the program that you run for women, the retreat, and, uh, you know, raising these two wonderful boys in... <laughs> In America. <laughs> well, you know the thing, I just make it work. I find a way to make it work, but I do wake up early because I know that that morning time is when I can get most of my stuff done before they wake up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I like to get up early and I'll get most of my work done. Fortunately, my kids are older now. So while they're in school, I can get a lot of work done. And I have a very supportive husband where, you know, we kind of plan things together. I'm like, okay, I have this thing to do. So you take care of this part or yeah. I am doing this and you take care. So we make it work. But I'm going to say, I really enjoy what I do. I really do. And so I find a way to make it work. <laughs> oh, wow. That's yeah. really great. Were they born in America here? Mm, both of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Both of both them. Of them. Yeah. So how do you balance between their heritage? You know, I'm going to now include. Yes. Yeah. Your last name is Igbo, right? 
No, Shakiri. Shakiri. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you balance between Shakiri culture, which are you know part of Nigerian culture and Nigerian culture, basically. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then you balance between with that with Togolese culture. Well, not really. I think I do more than Nigerian culture. Because even for me, well, because even for me growing up, I mean, apart from my name, yeah. I adopted more of the Nigerian culture. Oh, there. okay. So, okay. Yeah. We share a lot with Togolese anyway. Ghana, exactly. West Africa, there's so many similarities, know, right? Similarities that we share in common. So how do you, as a mother of two boys, how do you balance between those heritage and mm-hmm. raising these two young men in America here? whereby issue of diversity and race mm-hmm. and, you know, the challenges of raising a black boy in America, because I understand yeah. my son, yeah. it was like a battle, you know, yeah. all the time. Yeah. I think for me, what I've done, my husband and I, what we've also done is one of the things that we were very, you know, like, as soon as the kids were born, we're like, we're giving them Nigerian names. That was important to us because I wanted them to be able to identify with their names. Mm-hmm. And also explain what their names meant and made sure people pronounced it correctly. Because I think that's a sign of respect Mm -hmm. when you pronounce someone's name correctly. And my kids do not mince words. If you pronounce their name wrong, they're like, no, it's this. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important because that's a sign of who they are. And for us, we have, my husband and I, we're both members of a Shakiri meeting that involves like the parents and the kids so that our kids can know. And then we have conventions every year. I mean, obviously because of COVID, we can't do it. Where we go to these conventions, we wear our Nigerian attire. So they see other kids that are like them who were born in the States, but have the culture too. And I think that's important because when they go to school, okay, they're going to mix with other kids. But in our household, I also want them to realize that we are also Nigerian. This is our heritage. This is who we are as a people. And I think it's important for the kids to know that. And I know that sometimes it kind of is blurred between the Nigerian and the American, but ultimately our kids know who they are. They have a Nigerian first name and a Nigerian last name. And so when people ask them like, oh, parents are Nigerian. And I like that. It's a sense of pride in who they are. That is so important because one thing that I've seen with so many of our people, they say, well, you need to take them back home for the children to learn the culture. And my argument against that is that when you have culture, why do you need to ship them back home to learn yeah, culture? I, you at do, least for me, it uh-huh, doesn't matter. Uh-huh. Yeah, it doesn't matter when you have the culture in you. You could yeah, them I think so culture. too. Yeah. So it's wherever you are, you carry your culture. That's it. I totally agree with that. And my husband is very similar to me in the sense that he was also born in England and he moved to Nigeria when he was younger. So we have all these different layers. But I think that the bottom line is, you know, we all carry Nigeria in our heart Mm -hmm. and we can share it with our kids the best. And my kids have been to Nigeria, but they've met family members. They've stayed there. You know, we've gone there for holiday. Mm -hmm. So they understand that piece. And they they have Nigerian friends that are here too, as well as non-Nigerian friends. And it's all about diversity anyway. Yeah. And I think that helps them be able to navigate this world in a different way because they can mix with all kinds of people, Mm -hmm. regardless Mm -hmm. of where the people are from, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm And I think that's important. And that is very important because no matter whether we like it or not, the American society, they have a dominant culture. Yes, they That do. they have to be able to function in. The Nigerian culture, whatever African culture, religion, everything that you might have as a different from the dominant culture is within your home. Yes. When you go out and you want the children to be able to diversify themselves and to be able to p- function in a corporate world. That's the key, because like, how are they going to exist when they become adults? It's yeah. like 
how are they going to function in the world? Yeah. And whatever foundation you give them now is what's going to help them yeah, later. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. So with your experience working with women in their 50, what would you say women struggle with mostly? Oh, I think it's worthiness. They just don't think they're enough. They struggle with whether they're worthy to do things. Yeah. And I think a lot of them have used the work they do for other people to determine how worthy they, they are. So yeah. in other words, because they're doing all these things for their kids, because they're doing all these things for their family, that means they're worthy. And so when all that goes away, they're like, nothing else to do. Nothing else. Like, ah, you know, who am I now? And so a lot of women struggle, struggle with that. It's hard. It's difficult. It's challenging for them. Yeah, it is. What about with the physical health and uh, that too, that comes well. Yeah. I think that also is a part, but I think that the worthiness is a big one. And then they now start to look because our bodies are changing as we get older. There's nothing you can do about that. And then we live in a society that is youth obsessed. So that just pushes us to the side. Like, okay, you're older. I mean, even your kids will make statements like, mom, you're old, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And then society has its own. And so it's it's harder because your health, all that's changing. And that's why I tell the women that I work with, I'm like, I don't care if it's only 10 minutes a day that you're walking, do something for your body, you know, because this is the time where we're more susceptible to certain diseases. It doesn't have to be the case if you take care of yourself, you know, you can turn that around. And so I like to encourage women to find ways to really place a priority on their health and well-being at this stage. We need to advocate for ourselves because I remember interviewing one young lady who is actually one of our first generation and she's in, she's a medical doctor and she talked about women not speaking up for themselves. They don't. Oh my goodness. In front of the doctor. In they terms need of to. What, what their pain is all about. And that's also come from being aware of certain things, being able to coach yourself. Like you are a coach and, you know, coach women and said, when you go in front of the doctors, how do you present your case? How that's you what I do. Question? How do you ask questions? Because I remember having one doctor, my regular physician, whereby Mm -hmm. they assigned it to me. And when I go to his office, he never even looked at me in the eyes. as if he was looking at some specimen. I said, (laughs) even the doctors that treat animals. The vet. The vet actually talked to the cats, the dogs and everything. Thank you. And then, you know, you're just going to look at me as if I'm not somebody to talk to. So I had to change my doctor. And I said, that was good. A doctor that we interact with me, we look at me in the eye and being able to have conversation with me, not the one that we just say, I'm done five minutes, you are out of here. I think that's important you should bring that up because one of the things I also do, because a lot of women at this stage are premenopausal, going through menopause. And so they have these different symptoms that sometimes can be dismissed by others. And so one of the things I tell them is I tell them when you go to the doctor and you mention describe yourself. In fact, what I tell my clients, I give them a list actually of questions. I tell them, take these questions with you because more often than not, when you don't have it written down, you won't remember when you get there. And so I tell them to write them down or I give them a list because I have a list of popular questions that you can ask when you're going through menopause. When they get there, I tell them to ask the questions. And if for any reason they feel that the doctor is dismissive, Because we know when we're being dismissed, we know when people are not paying attention to us. And I tell them, pay attention to that. And if you feel that way, find another physician. You don't have to stay there. You You have to be your own health advocate. You have to advocate for yourself. And so if you feel that way, find someone else. 
And education also comes in education, when I'm talking about education, being in tune in terms of health, new health protocol, new literature that comes out regarding, especially women who are going through menopause and being able to, you know, get into them. the group and have a discussion, read about yeah. any of those issues, especially with the internet now that, yeah. you know, you could easily Google so many other things and read it, making sure that you're reading something that comes from a very reputable, reputable source. Web yeah. source and website, not just true. anything that you Google on the website. So and to, because there's a need yeah. for that. So that's part of it. So can you talk about more of mistakes that women make when they turn 50s, you know? I think they decide that it's too late. They take that on as a fact. It's not a fact. That's just your thoughts. Like you're just thinking it's too late based on who made that rule. It's too late for you. And so I want them to realize that this is an opportunity for you to create this next chapter, however you want. Mm-hmm. You ha- I mean, you're living, you're breathing. You can do this. Yeah. And I think even if you don't achieve your goal, at least make an attempt because what will end up happening is years down the line, you're going to be thinking like, I wish I had. And that's when regret sets in. I'm like, please don't do that. Like use this opportunity now to do all the things that you want to do, like write a list, start to implement. And the one thing I do know is even if you don't achieve that goal, you learn so much through that process. And that is valuable in itself. It is is so valuable. Especially I'll bring it to African immigrant community, even a lot of us back home. We do something back home regarding age group, whereby women in their 50s, they hang out together. Women in mm. their 60s, they hang out together. I'm getting close to that 60 now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they hang out together. And yeah. then we don't think that we could relate to the younger generation. They are too young. You shouldn't be telling me what to do or I cannot learn anything from them. And how does that affect us actually challenging ourselves to certain things that, you know, it limits us, it limits us, Mm -hmm. it limits us. One of the things I always talk about with my clients is we need to have friends in all generations. That is how we learn because you can learn from them and they can learn from you. One of the reasons why I'm doing this is also because I want us to be an example of what's possible for this new generation of 50 and over, because the younger ones are watching. And if they're blessed enough to live long, they will get old at some point. Mm -hmm. And so it will be nice for them to see us and say, wow, look at those women. They're in their 50s, 60s, and 70s. Look at what they're doing. That's great. I want to be like that. Because right now, the way the society is, is all about the youth. It's like youth, youth, youth. But guess what? If you live long enough, you will get old. And what happens then? Yeah. If you have nothing, you have no examples or you have no role models to look up to. We want to make it so that when you get to our age, you'll do way more than what we've done. Way Change more. Change yourself, especially yes. for us who are living abroad, whereby go to places. I always tell some of our women here, I say, go to places you've never been before by yourself. Yes. You don't have to have anybody with you. No, no, you don't. That's <laughs> a great way to challenge uh-huh. yourself. <laughs> to challenge yourself. There's a museum, you know, there's yes. shows that you could just buy ticket and go by yourself. See how it feels to talk to other people from somewhere completely different. I love doing that. Oh yeah. I love that environment. (laughs) I love, love, love. I love doing that. I'll give you an example. So I'm on, and for those listening, some of you know about TikTok. TikTok is predominantly for young people, right? Uh And so I told my son, I was going to go on TikTok. This was last year. And both of them were like, no mom, that's our app. 
I listened to them for a few months. And then in March last year, I'm like, I'm going on TikTok. They're like, no. I'm like, listen, I'm going on TikTok. You guys need to deal with it. So my youngest son, he was okay with it. He even danced with me a few times on TikTok. And then my oldest son, he's like, mom, no. He said, well, I said, okay, guess what? I'm already on there. So I said, will you dance with me? He's like, no, because he's 18. He's like, no. I said, okay, guess what? I said, what if I get 10,000 followers? Will you dance with me? He's like, yeah. Mom got 10,000 followers. What? He had to dance with me and he wasn't happy, but guess what he did? <laughs> he did it. He did it. And that's actually connecting with our children because yes. it's so important what you said that you have that kind of relationship with your two sons, you know, because when they're going through something, they feel comfortable coming to you. Yes. Because yes. that's part of why I created this platform, because there's no interconnection, intergenerational conversation within our community yeah. in terms of, okay, we could sit down and listen to our children. We could sit down and joke around with them. We could sit down and talk to them. They could sit down and express their worries, yes. everything that they're going through with us. Because they're going through a lot. They're going through a lot. They are. And that's part of why I asked you that question, because we continue to hold on to the belief that we have from back home. Yeah. Whereby parents just give directions. And yes. for your son to feel like, okay, I don't want to do it this time. I'm going to, you know, in a playful way, that shows the kind of bonding that you have yeah. with your son. But we have to, because if we use the way our parents were, you know, and I was even fortunate. My dad was very conversational. He would have lots of conversations with us. For the majority, it wasn't that way. But if we use that standard, and even then, there were still ways in which I thought, okay, this is kind of very traditional. Mm-hmm. But if we use those ways with our kids, guess what? Our kids will not have a relationship with us. Yeah. Because that system does not allow them to even speak up. And if you have that kind, you're just more or less driving your kids away because that means you tell them they don't have a say, they don't have an opinion. That's what this society fosters. It fosters you speaking up for yourself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so as long as the kids grew up here, they're going to have a voice. And so how are you going to find a way where they can have their voice, you can have yours, and there's some kind of respect between the two of you. You have to have that. Yeah. With this event I've been having with Pansa, mm-hmm. Even when I used to have the community forum, many of the people come to the forum are very young. I mean, some of them could be of my child and everything, you know. Nice. So, but we interact. I talk to them, they talk to me, I listen to them, they listen to me and all that stuff. Because one thing I always tell them, I say, listen, we understand within African community, African immigrant culture that, you know, the respect for the elders is very important. And we have to continue to bring that forward. Yes, I agree with that. The way you have to present yourself in front of the elders. You're not just going to talk to them. Even when you look at the people from the Asia, from the Japanese, the Chinese, the way they relate to their elders is completely different. Even though they are in American society, they express themselves in a more respectful way. I tend to talk to the younger generation. I said, you have to just come in a very much more respectful way. Oh, yeah, you but have also, to do that. And also for the parents to understand that, okay, there will be times that we need to start listening to our children without any advice. Just let them express themselves. Just express themselves. Uh-huh. Sure. Just let them say what they are to say. Sometimes yeah. it might come out in an angry way and it's yeah. because of the frustration, what they have bottling for so, so many long. Yeah, long, true. And they have to bring it out. 
And it's also for our own healing because we too, we went through so much back yeah. and we yeah. have to relate to our own parents as well. So I'm yeah. glad that I just want to compliment you on that, which I said a lot of our listeners will be able to you know, <laughs> appreciate that as well from you. So yeah. how would you encourage African immigrant women over 50 to thrive health-wise that they matters, that they should seek life coach? So yeah. women may say that they have so much in their plate, like you said, and they are not doing well physically yeah. or emotionally. Also, we could relate that, that to religious belief or cultural mm-hmm. beliefs. Yeah. That God will save me, will prolong my life. As long as yeah. I pray, no matter what, even though I'm not physically healthy or emotionally healthy, okay, but as long as I pray, God will answer my prayer. We give me the strength to continue to try. How would you advise women in such mindset? All right. So the one thing I'll say is God helps them, those who help themselves. You have to help yourself. You can't just like, okay, God is going to help me. But God has given us that free will to help ourselves too. And so you have to do your part. It's not going to work with you just sitting down and not doing anything. You have to move your body. That I think is so essential. You have to look at the foods that you're eating. That's important. And really reevaluate all those things on your plate. Like, do you really have to do all of those things? Because sometimes we put busy on a pedestal. We need to stop doing that because mm-hmm. it's almost like we're all fighting to be the busiest. Like, <laughs> what is it? What's up with that? I'm like, <laughs> there is no crown for being busy. There's no prize for being busy. What is it that you're putting on your plate? Let's reevaluate. Like, what are some of the things that you can drop? And some people say, oh, get a bigger plate. Don't get a bigger plate. Take some things off your plate. Yeah. Because one thing that I've seen within our community, even here, many of uh, African immigrant women even when they take vacation, it's about going back home. It's about taking care of people back home. Yeah. When they are here, it's about taking care of those who are here. So we take care of so many people. We put so much in our plates. We want to be able to be among our age group, you know, to help people when they are doing their parties, when go to this one's party, even though I'm so tired coming from work, you know, engaging so much social relationship with our community, whereby you don't even have energy for that. Yeah. I think one of the things is, is that people pleasing mentality that we have. And we really have to drop that once we hit 50. And I know sometimes it's challenging, but you can gradually start to reevaluate. Like, do I really need to do this? Yeah. Like, especially when you realize that your health is at stake, mm-hmm. you need to rest. Yeah. You need to rest. You need to take time for yourself. And so do you really need to attend this next event? Maybe not. Yeah. yeah. And get your rest, yeah. you know, and it's okay. So have you tried to have online discussion through YouTube so that people could listen to you? Well, most of my, the work that I do, I do have a YouTube channel and I also have an Instagram uh, following where I like have Instagram live and I have different discussions about things that pertain to women 50 and over. And then I have my online group also flourish. So those are like the three avenues. And then I work with people one-on-one. So those are kind of the way. So YouTube, Instagram, and then I have my online group, and then I have my one-on-one. So those are the ways so I do have. You, would you consider <laughs> when <laughs> you having your discussion, yes. focusing on different groups about the challenges? Because when we have to compare women, the challenges or the cultural mindset women of color or immigrant women have is completely different. Okay. So this is the thing I want to challenge you on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really not that different. Seriously. It really okay. isn't. It really isn't because like in my group, I have women who are African, African-American, Indian, Mm -hmm. Caucasian, Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we really all have the same issue. It's just outside, it looks different, mm-hmm. but seriously, we're all dealing with the same mm-hmm. issues. Yeah. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. It's like, we're all, I mean, you can kind of say, okay, this, but listen, as women, oh my goodness, we are dealing with the same stuff. And I'm glad you're able to clarify that, that we're dealing with the same stuff. If I've never been among the Caucasian, I would think their life is so perfect. Is that, that's what we all think. <laughs> exactly. Until yeah. When you go into their community and then understand that they actually have so much issue that they're dealing with as well. It Thank might you. not be about race, but we're all human beings. Uh-huh. That's the thing. Whether we're, we're talking human. about health issue, whether we're talking about emotional issue, we're all yes. human beings. And it actually opened the way for me because the podcast that I listen to, when you yes. hear other people's story, thank you. Their life challenges and how they overcome some of these challenges by connecting with other people, having a group discussion, going into different groups of people whereby they bring their issue out to the front and bring the community in as a form of support for themselves. You yeah. know, I think it's very admirable. It's interesting because, and I, and now that you thought, I think about the people in my group, I have women who are highly educated, some that are not, some who are wealthy, some that are not, but guess what? We're dealing with the same issues. And you know why? Because we're all human. Mm-hmm. The way the brain operates, it operates the same regardless. We operate the same way. We have those same fears when we're trying to do something and the brain is telling us, no, don't do that. You need to stay here. Don't try and do something new. It's the same way. It operates exactly the same way for everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you. For <laughs> You're welcome. This conversation. So how can our listener get a copy of this book or connect? With okay. You? So it's on Amazon. Mm-hmm. It's on Amazon. Um, so they can go on amazon.com. Or if they want to go to my website, they can go to my website www.kwavi, K-W-A-V is in Victor I.com. Go to my website and you'll be able to find my book there also. Yeah. And then uh, you also have Instagram page. Yes. My Instagram page is at Kwavi underscore TV. And my TikTok is the same at Kwavi underscore TV. Okay. And I hope they will follow you also. <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> uh-huh. So Kwavi Agbeyege, thank you for coming to Pansa Pansa podcast. I really appreciate you coming Aww, here. Before. Thank you so you know, much. You are normalizing conversation about how women over 50 could flourish. Both exactly. physically and emotionally without feeling guilty. Yes. She yes. is coaching us African women to put ourselves yes. forth. Yes. Self-compassion. Mm. Yes. As we openly discuss complex issues within our community, we are shredding away stigma connected with uncomfortable dialogue. Thank yes. you, Kwavi, for joining me today to educate our community about these important topics. I really appreciate you coming here today. Thank you. I enjoyed it too. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Ponza Ponza Live Podcast. We hope to have you back with us in the next episode as we continue to explore the nuances of the African immigrant experience. If you'd like to connect with us, you can email us at talk at ponsaponsa.org. That is T-A-L-K at P-A-N-S-A, P-A-N-S-A dot org. And follow us on Instagram at ponsa.ponsaforum. Until next time, remember to spread kindness and love. Thank you and take care of yourselves.